Okay, so a little bit of review, a little bit of just sort of, uh, yeah, review. Uh, first thing, forget what I said last night. <laughs> In the sense of that word jhana. Like I said, I don't actually use it that much when I'm teaching. And I haven't used it so far on the retreat in terms of what we're doing and what we're building. And just to relate to the, 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 what we're talking about, the breath, the body, can we nurture the comfortable feeling, a comfortable feeling, however that is. Uh, so it often can be grabbed the wrong way or in an unhelpful way. So just forget that. Uh, what we're dealing with now is just the practice. We're just continuing the practice. So to review, so far, three, three aspects that we can play with. The first is the breath and the, the, the quality of the breath. So as we started, does it want to be long? Is it helpful for the breath to be long? Is it more helpful for it to be short? Is it better, stronger or more subtle? Is it um, you know smooth or rough or whatever? So really, one aspect of what we can play with is to engage with that, the quality of the breath, and just to experiment with that. Second one was breathing, conceiving of the breath as coming in and out different areas of the body. So instead of the usual conception of the breath coming in here and going down in the lungs and going out, which is totally fine, of course, um, conceiving with it in, in much more creative ways, much more uh, uh, unusual ways, perhaps. And including in that, for some people, again, this is so individual, different people will be picking up different things in all of this. And that's why, I'm, in a way, that's why I'm putting out all this different stuff. Uh, so someone will grab this piece, or someone will grab that piece, and it's all fine. But for some people, the conceiving of the breath as sort of something all around the body, that the body is just kind of osmosing in and out, that can be very helpful as a way of conceiving the breath. So there's the quality of the breath and the way we conceive of the breath. And then the third factor that we can experiment with, play with, is is the, the effort level. And so to speak, how heavy or how light the attention is. So it can be, the attention can be really kind of probing or much more receptive. It's almost as if the, the mind receives the touch of the breath. It's just receiving it. It's open. Um, the mind can be quite tight, holding the body sense quite tightly, and sometimes that's really appropriate, or it can be really loose. We're responding to this, playing with this. Um, we can melt into the breath. The awareness melts into the breath or it kind of probes it or holds it. Playing with that sense, especially the, the sense of the effort level. So those three aspects to play with. Now that is absolutely plenty. And in fact, you probably can't do all of it at once anyway. But just to take a little piece and, and experiment. Now, in a way... In a, to sum all that up in a nutshell, it's just be with the breath, be with the experience of the breath and the body however you feel it. So that's going to vary for different individuals. However you feel the breath, that's what you're with. And if I'm going on about 
breath energies and blah 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 and it and it doesn't make any sense that's fine what do you feel when you breathe in what does it feel like what do you feel when you breathe out what do you feel in between the breaths when you're neither breathing in nor out and that's your experience and that's what you go with and really that's the experience of the breath and how can i make that experience more comfortable just a little bit more comfortable so it's actually that simple and and to you know, if, if something I'm putting out is feeling like that I'm really not getting that, don't latch onto that as something to make a problem of. It's very, very common for the mind to want to do that. Just take, what does the breath feel like for me right now? And can I make that more comfortable? So I remember saying, my teacher Ajahn Jeff, six months at least before he even began, so this every day, like a six-month retreat in his monastery, uh, every day hearing about this, not having a clue what they were talking about, and then just beginning after six months to have a clue. Now I really call him a meditation master. And then with that, to really be contented with what you have in terms of the comfortable feeling. So sometimes it will be a little stronger, sometimes it won't be, sometimes it won't be there at all. Just to be contented and to nourish that, focusing on the positive. So that is plenty, and in fact it's more than enough, as I said. So, very optional this morning, another thing to play with. And that is in the realm of perception, or with the whole factor of perception. So a couple of... We're doing okay there? Yeah. A couple of mornings ago, uh, we did a guided meditation, breathing in different parts of the body, etc. Well... I can't actually remember exactly which points I did, but it's possible to sit there in meditation and feel the breath coming up through the feet, up the body. It's possible. And perhaps down again, or perhaps up the body and out the head. It's also possible, five seconds later, to feel the breath going in the top of the head and down, down the body and out the feet or back up the top of the head. Which of those is right? Which of those is the real one? Or are they both going on at the same time? Is it kind of going... (laughs) What's going on here? In a way, we can see what we want to see. We're moving towards being able to see what we want to see. Now this could, what I've just said about the breath, it could bring up a whole lot of doubt and say, I knew it, this is all... This is all just uh, mind games, etc. But actually, there's a lot of potentially very deep insight here into the nature of perception. Extremely uh, important. So perception, I'll talk more about this tonight. Perception. As a factor of the mind, the mind perceives things. It perceives things all the time, all the time. And part of that process of perception is labeling, microphone, carpet, Iona, clock, uh, whatever these things are called, zabutons. Part of that is labeling. And so part of what we can do is, one is applying the label, breath, or breath energy, or whatever you want to say, breath, to the bodily experience. Not just necessarily the in and out breath. Actually start playing with this, applying the label, breath, to the bodily experience. And just, again, playing, experimenting, with doing that, experiencing 
all the parts of the body as breath energy. So if right now, or when you're sitting in meditation, the head, if that was breath energy, what kind of breath energy would that be? It might feel like good, like it's flowing, like it's open. It might feel like tight and like there's a constriction there, like not such good breath energy. But you're looking at it in terms of it being breath energy. You're labeling it that way. And if we keep that up, you just keep labeling the bodily experience as breath. So these head sensations as breath. And you do that consistently. Eventually, the experience of the head changes. You actually have a different experience of the head. You can do that with all the different parts of the body and see how that labeling (coughs) changes the experience. So the actual physical experience changes with the mental label. And again, we can do that with the the body as a whole. We can do that with the total sense of the body. So... There's a lot to do with insight here. This is really optional. Remember, everything that I've said is up. You just take what you can. We might be sitting in meditation, opening up the practice a little bit more to include more insight aspects today. We might be sitting in meditation, there's some pain in the body or there's some constriction or discomfort. And one feels that. What would it be to let the breath go and all that and just be with that experience? Say I'm, I have some pain in my, my back, some constriction, constricted energy in the back. And one's just really touching that experience but with the agenda of really allowing it, allowing it, allowing it to be what it is. So it's just unpleasant experience, it's just unpleasant experience in the moment, it's just unpleasant it's just unpleasant and one's there with an awareness that's very very allowing the emphasis is on the allowing total allowing it to be what it is, unpleasant so in a way one's softening one's reaction, one's relationship with it because usually the relationship would be one of it's unpleasant, I want to get rid of it there's a kind of normal reaction, to push away what's unpleasant. In a way, one's just allowing, 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 softening that relationship. What happens to it when we do that? What happens to the unpleasant feeling? There's something to explore. Sometimes we're aware of an unpleasant feeling, a pain or a constriction, and you can actually see what's going on in the mind and just start seeing it in a different way. We get so roped in to seeing it as pain and my pain and the whole problem of it. What if we just saw it as as some sensation and then the mind is labeling it pain and you see this process going on, sensation, pain and labeling and one's seeing it with more space and more kind of non-attachment. We begin to see that process happening in the mind. What happens when we see it? What happens when we see that? So I'll I'll expand on this tonight, this whole nature of perception. In the Dharma we talk a lot about bare attention and seeing things as they are, but it's not quite as simple as it seems. Does what I see, even the pleasantness or unpleasantness of what I see and what I experience, does that depend on how I look at it? Does it depend on how I look at it? Is it a given or does it depend on how I look at it?
So if we go back also and speak about the hindrances which I spoke about a little bit. Sometimes there's restlessness in meditation. It feels very agitated or, or a little bit agitated. Sometimes it's possible to have a sense of more or invite a sense of more space around the restlessness. So here's restlessness and I feel it in the body and I feel it in the mind. Sometimes even opening the eyes and getting a sense of space. And it's almost like, is that space restless? Do I perceive restlessness in the space? Or do I perceive it here somewhere? And is there something I can tune into, some part of the space that actually doesn't feel restless? And tuning the mind in there, perceiving the stillness instead of the restlessness. What effect does that have? Or sometimes it's almost as if inside one's diving underneath the agitation and perceiving stillness inside. Sometimes there's tiredness in the experience. Tiredness is a very, very interesting thing. It can feel so overwhelming. What happens if you try and locate that tiredness in the body? Sometimes, sometimes, all it comes down to is a kind of vague pressure behind the eyes. There's a vague sort of yeah, pressure behind the eyes. And we're reacting to that. Again, what happens if we just feel that as it is and just relax around it? Just relax around it relax our relationship to the unpleasant pressure. What happens then to the perception of tiredness? Sometimes again, there's pain in the body, there's constriction. This is a really interesting one. You can actually experiment and play with chopping it up, like like dicing a carrot or dicing some tofu, whatever, just The mind makes things solid what happens if we just chop it up in our mind, this sense of just stuck energy in the back or constriction or, or pain? Just playing with the mind and playing with the perception. And again, if we speak about t- tiredness again, sometimes one can just perceive brightness there behind the eyes, just perceive like a sun there. Sometimes when one really develops this, and again I'm talking about for, for most people in the future, you can actually even perceive pleasantness. You can choose to perceive pleasantness where there is unpleasantness. You can develop that as a skill. It's quite uh, mind-boggling, really. Now we might hear this, and especially especially uh, when when one has had some degree of exposure to, to sort of Buddhist teachings, in particular insight meditation, you say, that doesn't sound right at all. That doesn't sound Buddhist. That doesn't sound proper. That doesn't sound like what insight meditation is supposed to be. I'll pick up on this tonight. There's actually a tremendous depth of insight here around the nature of perception. It's one of the particular ways that samatha meditation feeds that insight. Okay. Finally, um, I want to say a little bit about this word steadiness again. So, um, how much can steadiness permeate the day today? So, might be sitting and one just gets a bit restless or fed up and just decides to leave the meditation hall in the middle of the sitting. Please, please don't. Please try and see how much steadiness can kind of permeate the being. And you can just um, give a real container to the experience. If 
we follow what restlessness says to do. Restless, <coughs> restlessness says, get up and go out and have a cup of tea. Restlessness says, when one's walking, stop and have a cup of tea. Uh, restlessness says, do this. Restlessness says, do that. What we're doing is feeding restlessness. We're feeding restlessness. And basically, the, the, the current, the river of restlessness gathers power in, in our being and in our lives. And it becomes a torrent that, that it is, in the end, impossible to stop. So if we can just be still and kind of be in the container, this is a sitting and I'm just going to sit, then we're not feeding restlessness. And what we're actually doing is feeding samadhi. So samadhi, part of what it means is steadiness. Steadiness of attention, steadiness of being, steadiness of intention. And in a way, if we can just be steady with our practice, staying steady with the walking, staying steady with the sitting, we're expressing steadiness, and that's an expression of samadhi. And there's a way it kind of feeds the samadhi, and that steadiness percolates down into the being. It percolates into the cells, slowly, slowly. We start actually feeding uh, a steadiness, a restfulness of being, instead of a restlessness. But it's a gradual process. And the question is, which are we feeding? Which do we want to feed and which are we feeding? So not to force one, uh, oneself to be steady or still, but it's almost like relaxing into it, allowing into it. And the second aspect of the, the word steady, and I, I mentioned this when I think I first brought it up, was a, a sort of larger picture of what it means to be steady. So just in the days here, you know, have you noticed... I love Guy House. I love being here. I love being on retreat. I, I love this practice. I love Samatha. Sign me up for the next one, etc. And and then a little time goes by, and it's I hate Guy House. I hate, I hate this practice. I wish he'd shut up. I don't know, you know. It, and then who knows what this afternoon is going to be like, you know. The, so this, this steadiness, it's just uh, it's it's like just stepping back and saying as I said, expecting the waves. And it's okay. It's really okay. Not buying into them so much. Not buying into them so much. That quality too begins to percolate down into the being. is such a treasure and such a resource. Not easy, but um, uh, to, to feed that, to nourish that.